Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Get Out of Rap. Today, I'm joined by Lee Houghton, uh, business improvement coach for Get Knowledge. And um, just before we uh, hit record, we were talking about how we feel like we we know each other. We've shared um, presenting on a webinar. We kind of you went before me, and um, so I listened with you know real interest in what you had to say. And we've talked about get coming on the podcast, um, but we see each other and it's just the, the power of our industry and social media podcasts that we do. We've just got straight into uh, chatting. So uh, Lee, thanks very much for joining and welcome. Oh, thanks very much, Martin. Honestly, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to this opportunity to chat with you. And it's like we're separated from birth as well, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's an yeah, uncanny likeness. <laughs> Yeah, we're too we're too bald, man. I feel like I'm kind of like the more chunkier version of you. <laughs> <laughs> Bit more yeah. of a beard, um, but yeah. The when did the hair go for you? Actually, I always ask this of other yeah. So, so, other so, men. so, so it's a re- that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> is, is this this is probably the, the toughest question you'll ask uh, this afternoon? Actually, so um, <laughs> when I was about 25, 26, I, I, I was uh, I was DJing at the time, and I used to I used to have patterns in the side of my hair. Um, and, and I had them up until about late 20s. But when, when the receding hairline was bigger than yeah. the pattern in the side of my head, <laughs> I, th- I thought it was time to just shave off the whole of the hair. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so, so mid, to, mid to late 20s was that, was that conscious choice to just uh, just get rid of it. And, uh, and, and, and it, I don't think, well, I, I do miss it sometimes, if I'm honest. Um, but what, I don't miss it at the minute because you see everybody else going praying for the hairdressers. Yeah. Uh, and that's one cue that I won't be in um, because exactly. I, I get to do my own. That's a really good point. Um, it's funny, my, my son, he's 19 now, but he, he's got a big head of hair, curly hair. And I remember telling him, you know, when I was 18, 19, I, I said, I'll, I'll show you some pictures. I've, I had big curly black hair. Um, and he kind of is colour drained from his face. And I said, the difference being is he, his, I've always had like the kind of the vampire uh, hairline yeah um his is his is straight across and he was like an audible sigh of relief when he was like oh i'm not going to go the same way as you because i was about the same sort of age just went for it then and um, never looked back yeah yeah love it so i'll, I'll move sweet my segue <laughs> no segue at all from, from hairstyles to um so now you're a business improvement coach at get knowledge and we can i want to talk about that but um as i always do People are always interested in um, your journey from when did it start to now? Yeah. Um, okay. So I, be- I believe that I have probably had the most random journey to get to where I have. Um, <laughs> so as, as we've just touched on then, I used to DJ and I DJed for like, um, well, from the age of 18. So when I was 32, something like that. Um, and for 18 months of that, I dressed as a monkey in Yates. He's in Bolton every Friday night. Um, yeah, and, you're going to win this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I had a bouncy castle business with seven bouncy castles, two slides, a gladiator jewel, bouncy boxing, and four pairs of sumo suits, two of which were childs. Um, and and th- these, were, these were all sidelines because my dad had de- my dad DJed uh, when I was growing up, and he um, and he actually retired DJing after I retired DJing. So, um, wow. and... Yeah, I know. I know. But I, know. I looked at him um, and like coming in at two o'clock in the morning 
on a Saturday night, Sunday morning. And I thought, I don't, I don't really want that. I don't really want that. And I, I, I was at the point of time where I was running like a parallel career. So I was like a DJ by night and an improvement person by day. And I kind of, <laughs> I, I, had a, I had a decision that I had to make about which one was I going to commit to because I couldn't do them both because I was like yeah. DJing four or five nights a week and I was at a full-time job as well. Um, so I, I chose rightly or wrongly um the uh the, the more professional improvement um avenue and so uh, but the things that i've learned through the djing and through um through the bouncy castles and, and things i take with me now every everywhere i go because that was my first that was my first proper um introduction to the importance of customers mm. and the importance of understanding it so when you dj at night you have like between seven and nine at night. I mean, nobody goes out at that time now, but when I was yeah. DJing, it shows how long ago <laughs> yeah. this was, people used to go out at a reasonable hour, Martin. Um, yeah. <laughs> and none, of this none of this midnight. None of this nonsense. No, no, no. We were going, we were going home then. Um, so, yeah, so that like people would, would and you'd play like um, music between like seven o'clock and nine o'clock or 10 o'clock to ease people in as there were conversations that were starting about what they'd done. Then between 10 and midnight, you'd ramp it up and play the really popular ones. And you might play the, the same song um, like a number of times in a really short period of time. And, th and then you'd play like the, um, the, an the, the anthems and then you'd slow it right down near the end. And and that for me was my first interaction about understanding that customers are different, their needs are different. Um, and that was just in a, in a night, but in businesses, now it depends on the cycle, it depends on the month and it depends what they do. So, um, and I, and also how you can talk to customers as well. And yeah. I mean, the, the number of times um, that, that people thought that they were the only person in the room because my eye contact, I was like, I must've looked, if somebody was just staring at me, my eyes would have been going all over the place, but I was trying to make eye contact with everybody in the room to make them feel a little bit more special. Um, and, and and it worked, it worked because in fact, actually, uh, I, I hope my, uh, my wife doesn't listen to this because she believes that when she came into the pub um, that where I met her, that I played the songs that she wanted and I remembered them every single week and I would just look at her all night. Um, but that, that wasn't the case, but that was the illusion that I gave. Um, in fact, actually, I, I'm not going to tell her about this podcast episode, if I'm honest. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, can, I, I can edit this bit as well if yeah. you want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but, and I, think, and I, I can I edit think, it to say that you were looking. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's all of these lessons that I've then I've then taken with me into into business improvement and, and stuff. And yeah, so like like you said, um, get knowledge was formed about two and a half three years ago. Um, and through that before before that, I was an internal improvement person in multi different sectors, starting in the public service and then telecommunications, logistics, um, and now now a consultant or a, a business improvement coach working working for myself and business partner Jason in get knowledge. Um, but, and I've always wanted to have my own business, but I've never had the balls to yeah. kind of, to go, go out and do it. Um, yeah. and in, in fact, actually, um, about two and a half to three years ago, it, as, uh, do you have a friend, Martin, that no matter, you might not see him for a week or a day, a, day, a week, a month, or like a period of time that when you get back together, it's like, you've never, never been apart. I think people have got um, rhythms and, and energy that you could spend 20 years apart. Um, strangely enough, I was just mentioning to um, Bev, my fiance, 
uh, out of the blue, I got contacted by a few guys I went to uni with um, and we're having a Zoom on um, Saturday. And I know it's not going to be awkward because you just, you connect with people, right? So yeah, I've got a couple of friends that I can think of that um, the, there is no need to say things like, sorry, we haven't been, I haven't been in touch or you just go straight into messing about or, you know, right. just straight into a, a conversation like you've been having for 20 odd 30 years. So Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, amazing, amazing. So I, I do as well. A guy, a guy called Chris, and um, when when I uh, fell into improvement, I got my first in, improvement job. I went into the pub to celebrate with him because we met every every Wednesday night, a group of us in a, in a pub, and uh, I went in to celebrate. Or I thought to celebrate, and I told everybody my news. And, and Chris, he looked at me and he went, "Oh, one of them are you?" I was like, "What do you mean, one of them?" And he went, "One of them who go into where people work on different teams and tell them how to do their job better." If you come into where I work and tell me how to do my job better, I would tell you to go away or, or words to that effect. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, and, and that was like that was like 16 years ago when he said that. And if my best mate wouldn't um, trust me to help him improve what he does, then what chances have I've got of random strangers? And it's only <laughs> reflecting um, over the last couple of years where I've actually realised the importance of that message. And what I've been trying to do over the last 15, 16 years is try to crack that code really and the secret of of influencing um change and, and improvement but anyway so so chris um two and a half years ago i was um i was working on a client site i was an employed consultant uh working on a client site in london i got a phone call and uh, I, I was advised that i needed to i needed to come home so i got on the train at london Euston, headed to uh to preston got out got in a taxi and went to saint catherine's hospice where where chris was and he'd been there for the last couple of weeks so saint catherine's hospice provides end of life care just to make you comfortable um i walked into the room and, and chris was lying there and he was he was paler and frailer than he was a few, a few days previous when i when i last saw him um his sister was in the room, his ex-partner was in the room, one of our other friends was in the room, and I said, because they'd, they'd looked after him over the, the last few days, that I would do the night shift that night. What what was wrong with him? What had happened? So he, he third bout of, his, this was his third bout of cancer, age 39. Really? Yeah, he had, um, he had two bouts of um, lymphoma, then all his uh, lymph nodes removed, and then melanoma um, was the one that was that, that put in there. Um, and I sent everybody away and I set up camp on the on the couch for the, for the evening so I could stir at him and look at him and, and dab his lips and stuff like that. And at 10 to 8 in the morning, because my breakfast was due at 8 o'clock, I, uh, I got up, I went into the bathroom, I went, right, Chris, I'll be back in a second. I'm just going to go and have a wash and, and freshen up. So I brushed my teeth, I had a wash, and then I left the, I left the bathroom. I looked over at him. And, and when I looked over at him, his chest expanded. And that was it. It just... It just his chest froze it didn't move again and um so he chose in that moment to um to to go and what is really spooky about that and I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are on this but when he was told that there was nothing else that the doctors could do no more medication and they were just about keeping him comfortable I was the first person to see him after the consultant had, had given this news and um we got talking about death as, as, as you do and in the moments and there was a nurse in the room and he said to me he said uh he says do you think i'll know when the time comes do you think do you think i know because we all we all believe that his mum chose a particular moment when her, when yeah. her son when um when chris's brother was was um was with her and and he went he looked over at me and he went i'll let you know lee i'll let you know and i was like 
bloody hell, so that was the first night I'd spent in the, in the hospice with him, and then his chest expanded at the moment when I'd left the bathroom. Anyway, so I made a few phone calls and told everybody that the time had come, and I went and sat outside the hospice. The sun was being down, it was a 5th of July, and I was, I was sat there, and I was thinking, you're a fraud, Lee. You're a, you're a fraud. You tell your kids every single morning that they can be whatever they want to be when they grow up, uh, but you're not being what you want to be. Um, you've always wanted to be a consultant and you've always wanted your own business and you've always wanted and all of, all of these things. And I then thought about the three lessons that Chris left me with, because when when Chris was um, terminal, um, he offered to um, give me a few thousand pounds to set me up in business because he was going to extract his pension and set up a trust fund for his two boys. And, and I said, I didn't want his money. I said, what I'd love from him is three lessons through his eyes that he believed were the most important I could share with his boys um, because his perspective on life changed. And the reason I knew his perspective changed is, do you remember um, the Champions League final, the Real Madrid, the Gareth Bale Champions League final? Yeah. It, yeah. So um, me and Chris both spot Liverpool and uh, he was him and his two boys were coming around to my house to watch that game. And on the way around to my, to my house, um, there's a roundabout at the end of the road and, and he was turning left to come towards the house and a, a car pulled out on him and, and ordinarily Chris would have been one of those people that like uh, flew up behind them, would follow them home, flick the V's out the window, get, get, get really angry but he, in this instance he didn't and as soon as he walked through my front door he said you'll never guess what happened and he told me this story and I said what did you do and he went nothing. So what do you mean nothing? He went, well it doesn't really matter does it? We have, we have a game to watch and I'd rather spend time with yourselves than, uh, than chase somebody down the street that I don't even know, getting angry about something that's, that's just happened that they might probably never even realise that they did. And I was like, right, okay, wow, this is, this is, this is a, there's a shift in his perspective here. So when, when we knew that his time was coming, I said to him, I said, I love three lessons from you. And he was like, uh, I wish you'd just asked for the money, Lee. That would have been far easier for me to give you. <laughs> got, I've, got to, I've got to think about this now. So anyway, over, over a, a couple of weeks and, and months, um, and I'm so grateful that he actually did think about these things as well. And yeah. I went to see him and he went, right, Lee, I've got the first lesson for you. He said, when him and an ex-partner were splitting up, he said he tried to be somebody he thought that she wanted him to be. He said, um, he said, it didn't make me happy. It didn't make her happy. And we still ended up splitting up. So he said, no matter what, just always be yourself. Always be yourself is the, is the first lesson. Um, and then a couple of weeks after that, I went back to see him and he went, Lee, you, you, you always visit me when you're not, not working and stuff. And one of our other mates, Nash, rings him at 12 o'clock every single day when he's on his lunch break and, and stuff. And me and Chris, we grew up on the same road together, but we went to separate schools and we could have chosen different paths with different friends at different times, but we didn't. And he said, um, he said if we'd have chosen uh, different friends, then they might not be in here now. They might not have rung me at 12 o'clock, like Nash rings us at 12 o'clock every day. So he says... Make good friends because you never know when you're going to need them. So that was the second one. And then a couple of weeks before he passed, we broke him out of the, uh, bro I mean, we didn't really break him. The hospice <laughs> knew he was going, but I like to say we broke him out. So it sounds far grander. <laughs> uh, so we, we broke him out of the hospice to go to watch the Foo Fighters in concert. Eight of us went to the Foo Fighters at the Etihad Stadium in Manchester. Um, he bought these tickets before he was, he was really ill. Anyway, so there was two cars that went, Chris and his ex-partner and his two boys. 14 and 16 at the time, and, and then another car of us. And on the way home from that gig, um, his youngest, after dropping Chris off, said, is it too late for us to go to um, Anfield for a, a tour? Um, so I got a phone call about midnight to ask me, was it too late? And I said, well, 
ideally we would have had this conversation a couple of months ago, um, but we'll, I'll see what we can do. So that was on the Thursday. On the Sunday, we went we went to Liverpool, and they were they were amazing. We uh, we had ice creams outside, um, discount in the shop, free drinks as we went round, as much time as we wanted in the changing rooms and the and the private tour. It was brilliant, uh, absolutely fantastic. There, photographs all the way all the way through, and in the car on the way home, my my little boy was four behind, sat behind me, and Chris's two boys, 14 and 16, sat behind him. And he looked at me and he went, how many times could we have done this? Mm. And I said, yeah, loads. He says, well, why did we wait till I was a, I was a burden and, and I was, had to be wheeled around in a wheelchair and I couldn't get up and sit on those old stadium seats like, like you all could and, and stuff. And he said, third lesson's time's limited. Act now because time's limited. Mm. You, just, you just don't know. And it was with those three lessons that I was sat on the bench outside um, St. Catherine's Hospice, reflecting on my life and thinking I'm a fraud, going, I need to do things different. So that's when I've started my own podcast. Uh, um, I've started my own business with Jason. But much more than that, I've spent the last two and a half to three years really understanding what those lessons mean to me. Because Chris had his reasons for those lessons. And I always used to think that was, I'm not bad at this change stuff. But now I think we're armed with these three lessons. I think that these are the, the foundation for everything I do now. Um, and what I mean by that is it, it's taken me two and a half years to realise that always being myself is that voice in your head, really understanding what that voice in your head is saying to you. Is it helping you? Is it crippling you? Your thoughts drive your behaviours and, and really trying to get to grips with that. Um, and being authentically yourself as well, actually. So I've got I've got a tattoo here, and and this is rubbish for audio listeners, by the way. But I've got a tattoo, and, and about two inches down my wrist is where it starts. Because eight years ago, nine years ago, when I got that tattoo, I was conscious about what people would think of the guy with a tattoo going in to do what he was doing. Um, and I thought having it there would be underneath my shirt, uh, underneath my jumper, and people wouldn't be able to see it. So I wouldn't. They would, they would they'd just take me without not being a tattooed person. Um, really, I should get that filled in, but it's a metaphor now for, who, for how far I've come myself because I, I don't care now because I'm just being authentically me as, as often as I possibly can. So that's what always being yourself is. Making good friends is about whether that's friends, connections, clients, customers, um, colleagues, peers, anybody. It's just making stronger relationships because you never know when you're going to do that. And it's, it's like the... Um, the the amazing one of the things, Martin, that that I really like about what you're what you you're doing and what you stand for is just is your social media posts. They're always coming from a place of value. You're, you're helping people who are seeking jobs. You're standing up for things that are completely right to stand up for. So so you're authentically being yourself, but then also you're you're helping other people. You're coming from a place of value, and, and I think that is what making good friends and what Chris means. So when he said he was lying in bed and he was like. Um, make good friends because you never know when you're going to need them that can be any form of connection make good friends with anybody or relationships because you never know when you're going to need it or when they might need you um, and then the third one time being limited my biggest frustration is those people that say that they want to get better on Monday or at the start yeah. of next month or at the yeah. beginning of next year um, and if, you, if your reason to get better is big enough then you'll bloody start now. Mm. Your reason to, to get better is not big enough or you're happier not getting better. Is that, that's the reason that you want. So time's limited. So if, you, if there is something you want to do, then do it. So in the last two and a half years, I've skydived from 15,000 feet after being frightened, too frightened to, um, to, 
um, to climb a wall at back of my mum and dad's house as I was growing up. I've started the podcast, started the business. Um, I, I record social media videos from the bath, all of these things just because of those three lessons really. And I'm just trying to be authentically me um, and just, and I've realized as well, and I will pause for a breath and, and let you speak in a second. No, this <laughs> um, is great. Um, that, that I've realized that I'm not for everybody either. And I'm completely comfortable with that. I've spent far too long trying to please everybody, but it's all right that people, yeah. that people don't like you or don't get on with you because everybody is different, aren't they? And, and I think we've, if you're just always yourself, make good friends, you'll attract who, who, who like you and, and stuff like that. So then you're going to make better, stronger connections, which is so important. And then if you, if you want to do something, just bloody do it. And yeah. that's, that's the foundation for change. It's the foundation for improvement. It's the foundation for speaking to customers. It's the foundation for business. It's the foundation for everything. I think those three things. Um, but the important thing in them all is that everybody understands what them three things mean to them individually. Because Chris had his reasons of why those were the three things. I spent two and a half years trying to join all my worlds together to kind of go, how can I authentically be me, join my passion and my purpose and all of those stuff? And, and who do I want to make better friends with and connections and all of that? And then what do I actually want to do and start now? So, so yeah, there you go. That was a bit of an introduction, wasn't it, Martin? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? That's, I feel um, deeply honoured to, it's a privilege to, to hear that. It's so powerful, such a powerful kind of um, recollection. Thanks very much for um for sharing it I've, I've been writing down some of the things you've been saying um as a fellow inked person um, yes. same sort of same sort of thing actually again it's really powerful you saying that i've i've stopped or chosen different tattoos based on the role that i thought i was playing at the time and um you're right actually i there's so much that resonates with your story. I, if anything, one of the things is I don't begrudge Spurs losing the Champions final, uh, Champions <laughs> League final to you guys um, a couple of years ago now, knowing that it made you and your family and Chris and wherever he is, his family uh, happy. I don't really mind anymore. I just, um, <laughs> it's really powerful what you said, really powerful. Um, it's, it was giving me goosebumps when you were talking about it because I just feel like um different reasons I feel like um it's, it took some real powerful at the time really negative things to kind of liberate me from uh or, or let's say yeah liberate I always feel like it's a, I, I gained freedom from adversity um and there's nothing worse than losing someone you you care about and yeah for you to share that and then turn it into a positive wouldn't it be great one of the things that I really felt when you were talking, um, and it's something that I try and bring to bear now in my life as well, wouldn't it be great if we could teach, not we could help people get to this point of self-awareness and being authentic without it requiring, a, you know, a big life event, you know, whether that oh. is a losing your job or divorce or um, illness or, you know, any of the grief um for people to kind of feel like they can embrace who they are do and do what they want I've, i'm i'm naturally an optimist i'm really hopeful of the the next generation you think about uh the, the kids here 
they've been amazing going through a, a world event like the pandemic and they're brilliant you know so i've got great faith in future generations but wouldn't it be great if and i guess you're perfectly in the right place for kind of improvement coach because i i'm rambling a bit now because you just kind of you've really um inspired me around it seems to me that you understand that uh, we're all inhabiting the earth at the same time and that is amazing yeah yet and maybe the pandemic will help us with this yet we leave some of ourselves at home go to work we play a role we think it's all process and those of course have their place but this is about connecting with people on a human level right this is this is about um understanding who you're working with what they want how they can be how they can be better i think it's brilliant yeah so it's absolutely just, brilliant just on, on a couple of points that you said there martin as well actually the my biggest regret in life um is having to lose chris to have the kick up the arse to really understand what these three lessons are to me so it's kind of it's a bit it's a bittersweet thing because um i've had to i've, I've lost him um and to really understand myself um and i'm tattooed i've got tattoos of, of chris now as well so i've got like a little ginger kid walking up some steps at 10 to 8 in the morning i've got three lessons tattooed here and before before he passed as well um he wanted to get me a gift and, and he got me this the ring that's on my right right hand that with the three lessons engraved on the um wow. on the inside of that as well so but what i think is really important is that i am completely driven now to share Chris's story and, and lessons with as many people as possible, because I want, I want, I believe at 39, he was taken far too soon. He, he didn't think he was special in any way. He was a, he's a process engineer at Leyland, at Leyland Motors. Um, but I think what he's left behind is, is, has been life-changing for me. Um, yeah. And I, I hope that other people can understand what these three things are, because they're really, they're really simple to say, always be yourself, make good friends and time's limited, but they're not easy to, to live by. And I used to tell people that the reason I tell the story and the reason why I share the story is because uh, I want people to learn from, from Chris. But I've got a selfish reason to tell the story as well is because I don't want to grieve like I did two and a half years yeah. ago. Um, so I, I feel like um, he's with me now. The, having this opportunity to chat with you, Martin, it allows, allows Chris to sit next to me and, yeah. I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I know as soon as we hang this, the, the call up here, I'll go and have a look at his picture that's up on my wall on, on, in the hallway and, and we'll have a little chat about some of the other stories that, is, that, is, that he's shared on, and the lessons. And at the time, they were insignificant. Um, or I believe they were insignificant, but they're, they're etched in my memory and there's a lesson in everything. I lost me. In fact, actually, just to um, just to just to continue this positive theme, I lost my nan the same year, um, and me, me nan in in the January of the same year. And I used to go to for chippy tea with me nan every single Friday, right? Ever since me granddad, ever since my granddad passed, I, I took chips to me nan every, every Friday. And Friday was my night with me nan, and the whole family yeah. stayed away, stayed away, and that was that was my time with me nan. Um, on the odd occasion that my mum had turned up, my auntie had turned up, or my cousin had turned up, they'd walk in and they go, oh, you've not, Alice, you've not taken your tablets, or Alice, why are these pots still next to the uh, to the sink and stuff? And, and she'd be there eating a, eating a small chips and gravy or a small fish, and she'd look up at me and 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 she'd say, in one ear, Lee, out the other, and then just <laughs> car carry on chatting and ask me a question. Yeah. And yeah. that, um, I think, is she was consciously choosing to ignore 
what she perceived as negativity or negative or going to detract from that experience that she was having eating chips and gravy with me that day. And I think it's all a conscious choice. Sometimes it's really difficult. You might watch the news and there's a horrific event. You might, um, you might get told a story or see something on social media that should never happen. But it's a conscious choice about how we allow that to influence us. Those things have happened and those things have been said. Um, but it's our reaction that will determine that outcome. And, and I think what my nan taught me then, and when she said it, I didn't think anything of it. But it's only on reflecting back now. And when, when I combine Chrissy's um, story, when I think about my nan, and when I think about business improvement and, and people and human and stuff, and thinking actually in one ear, out the other. I, I don't, she never meant it like that. But I'm, I've interpreted it in that way, and I think, I, I think there's there's so much we can learn from the paths that we that we've tried. It's quite, hey, we're getting quite deep, aren't we? Really, now it's uh, we yeah. we are, but it's kind of like what you you're tuned into a different um, a different way of thinking, and your senses are kind of telling you things and um, that they weren't before. That you like you say, you might have just passed. You might have just passed over. I can remember takeaway takeaway lessons from, uh, I traveled a lot, I worked ridiculous hours um, and always thought, you know, I'm a great dad. The being a dad actually was, is, and still is, um, the thing I'm most proud of. That should be the first thing we put on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, and, but it was only after going through a divorce and it wasn't, it wasn't a difficult divorce, it was amicable, but um, it, the lesson I took away from that, if we're talking about things like this that have had an impact, was just say yes. So um, anything that the kids ever said, and don't get me wrong, this wasn't just about ridiculous stuff. It was more about being present and time. So if they wanted, at any point, they wanted my time, I just had in my mind that my default setting is now yes. Um, so I've got a project to do, but one of the kids comes in and wants to know if we're going to, do, can we do something? Can we kick a ball or they're bored or they're kind of asking for, they're not asking for things, they're just asking for your presence, right? Yeah. I think back, at, you know, it didn't happen often, but I do think back and I can think of times when I'd go, yeah, I just need to finish this bit of work and then I'll do it. The moment's gone and invariably you might not, they, they might have moved on or you don't get to see them at that time. Now, and again, I hope the pandemic's helping us all with this. Now I just say yes. Yeah. Now I say yes. And my team know uh, I could be on a Zoom. Someone comes in or one of the kids, if they're not with me, phone me. I'll just take it. I'll take the call. Um, and just that kind of, that's always stuck with me now is things that maybe I thought, you know what, I don't really want to go on a bike ride. What overrides that is just saying yes, create a memory have an have an experience and actually it's kind of like the best nights you had when we were young free and single were the ones that were unplanned or maybe you didn't even want to go yeah you know so this kind of argument i have in my head sometimes now saying yes always wins and it has done for like the last i'd say 10 years but again wouldn't it have been great if we had those kind of discussions when we were young even at school around what it is to be a human and mindfulness and being present and that human relationships and the relationships you have with people are time frames. So yeah. maximize them, you know, well, what does, what does that mean? I think that would be 
and maybe we'll get there. It, feel, it feels like the school syllabus and things like that get more progressive every year. Um, but I'd love to. I'd love to see that. We are going all over the place. This is great. Yeah, no, <laughs> this is my happy place. Yeah, we, we are going all over. I'm, and I'm going to take us on an, an, another slight tangent in a second as well because you've just sparked another thought in my, in, my, in my mind. And I think so. Chris's lessons always be self make good friends and times limited. We can we can look at on a micro and a macro level. So if you just think about somebody who picks up the phone in a contact centre. Um, if they are constrained and they can't be themselves, if they can't get to know the needs of the customer and to make a relate, stronger relationship and then they can't or not empowered to act now, then that detracts from the customer, the, the customer service or customer experience that, um, that, that they're going to they're gonna have. So, and, and I think that this is why it comes back to what are, what do those three things mean to individuals, to teams, to, to business? And these are the foundation for, for what, for what I do in Get Knowledge now. So I've got a Creating Confident People Leaders course and I'm the Creating Confident Change Leaders group coaching program, which which is five modules, which is change starts with you first, which is then understanding yourself is second, storytelling and um, creating allies is third, influencing others is fourth, and then acting out times limited is five. But the, found, the foundation for those five things are always be yourself, mm. uh, make good friends and, and times limited because I think they're so, they're so powerful. And... It comes down to exactly what you're saying about this human element and connection. I went on a, and it doesn't come across, but I went on a, um, a stand-up comedy course last year. And and, and funny enough, actually, uh, that was the beginner course last year. And I'm going on the intermediate course this coming weekend and the following weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am, yeah. So, but uh, my, first, my first lesson when I went on to it, the, uh, the, the, the course, so he went, what's the most, there was like seven of us on the course. And he went, what's the most important thing in stand-up comedy? And uh, I think three of us said jokes. And he went, no, that's the material. That's the third most important thing in stand-up comedy. And so then we thought about it. And he went, he went if jokes is third, what, what else could it, could it be? And he went, he said, the first most important thing is connection, connection with your audience. The second is um, your performance. And then the third is material. And, and if I just elaborate on this a little bit, if you think about the children's nativity play at schools, they are the arguably the worst singing, the um, they forget all of the words, dodgy outfits, um, but at the end of it, they will get a standing ovation, tears in people's eyes, and such proud and amazing feedback. Okay, because the level of connection yeah. that, that those people and that's those little people on the stage have got with those people in the audience is second to none. Um, which is which is why you get that. If you think about a stand-up um, comedy now so if you go to a comedy club you're gonna you're gonna sit down in the um in when you're allowed to you're gonna sit down in the theater and you're gonna be sitting going am i gonna have a good night tonight i don't know about any of these any of these comedians but if you if you've paid to go to watch uh michael mcintyre you might if you love michael or jimmy whoever whoever it is you're gonna sit down you're gonna go oh, I'm, I'm gonna have a fantastic night now because you know you've got a connection yeah. with that person yeah. um that that's there and i think we need to start with this connection so Business improvement is all about creating an environment of, of, of high trust where people feel empowered. I'll say the word empowered, where people feel safe to be able to raise their hand and go, I've got a problem. I've got an issue. I've got a challenge. This isn't working. Um, and that's the secret of all of this thing is this level of connection. Um, Chris's first two lessons always been yourself and making good friends, just connecting. The more better connected we can be, the easier all of this can be, but we 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 don't make it easy for ourselves. 
No, and I think back to um, some of my earlier incarnations as a team leader or contact centre manager, um, seeing what rigid adherence to scripts did. It was kind of like, right, you've got this great personality, you're an amazing person, you're really vivacious or whatever. We, I want to, I'm going to suppress that and I'm going to squash it into, into this script rather than taking a bit of a view of hopefully where I, we see a lot of companies now is more, look, you've got to get these three points across, okay, for the customer's interest. However, you can be yourself because I think as well as the impact on the customer, what I saw was a, a, you know, a full day shift if you're having to suppress who you are um, has such a negative impact on, on people. It exhausted them, but it also took away something from them. If And if anything, it just made us at the time as team, as a leadership group, try and go over the top, um, to positive reinforcement, support, recognising that not only is it difficult anyway to take a day's worth of calls, but if you're doing it following a script that re removes any impact or any opportunity for connection, you know, yeah. we'd be trying to, you try and find ways to, to find a connection, be interested where they live, what they do, um, connect that way. But of course, then you would have somebody saying, maybe this was way back, but somebody saying, AHT's gone up. Why, why is that? We've got yeah. to be careful, blah, 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 blah. And these kind of competing, competing forces um, now, hopefully, with the people understanding the importance of the human element and, and connections. And we're, we're all, you know, we like to put people in blocks, don't we? You're a customer, you're an employee. Well, we're actually exactly the same. We've yeah. just got to find a way of, of doing it. It's just really, really powerful. When did you say your stand-up? Are you gonna? Is the aim that you're gonna do a stand-up um, routine? So um, at, at the end of each um, at the end of each course, so I, I had um, you have a five you have a five minute or you have a graduation gig and you have a five minute slot and that was a, at the end of the beginning one. At the intermediate one, it, there's a graduation gig in two Monday in two Mondays time where I got a ten minute slot. Um, so I, I get me on little sets, but ultimately the reason and the reason why I wanted to do it at the start is because I believe stand-up comics can deliver a message so succinctly and get a reaction. I wanted to learn that. It wasn't about necessarily about jokes and trying to be funny. I wanted to understand the art of that first, but the more I've, I've actually thought about it and, and like, I, I like to do things a little bit different. I, I like to think of myself as a, a little bit funny at times. Um, so I would love to incorporate more humor um, into, into what I do and how I do it, because I think, that is another way to to build connection with people yeah. if you can yeah so I'd, I'd love to have in fact i'd love to do like a hybrid kind of stand-up comedy act with a serious present in fact actually i'll tell you i was uh, i was talking to somebody on um, on thursday this week and we had a very similar conversation and i said i would love to do to have a standard to to have a um a keynote presentation that makes people laugh and cry in the same in in the same one, um, because I think I think it was um, um, or oh, what she called Mayor Angelou said um, that people forget what you said, people forget yeah. what you did, but people never forget how you made them feel. Yeah. And and I think the the difference between good and great in anything is our ability to make people feel something. And and if if you can evoke emotion, 
Um, I think that is a that's a superpower, and and people will remember that. So if I was to ask you what's your oldest childhood memory, Matt, and you you might be able to go back to like a really young age, and and you might be able to articulate the colour of a carpet, the the smell that's in the air, the taste of food that it might have been or, or whatever, because our brain remembers things in in pictures but attached to emotions that allows us to recall stuff. It doesn't recall things in words. But if I was to ask you, what did you have for your lunch three weeks ago on Tuesday? You might not be able to remember it. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and I think if, if I want, so I'm driven by sharing Chris's message as, as many, yeah. to as many people as possibly can, but to do it successfully, I've got to make people feel something. And I want his memory to outlive or his message and, and to outlive me. And I think the only way to do that is to create a strong enough emotion in people so that's that's kind of the bigger dream the what, what i'm working towards um but yeah that, and that's that's the reason why because i don't just want it to be tears uh, i want it to be like um fun as well and, and just try to find that balance and make people make everybody feel something because everybody's different as well aren't they i'm conscious that i'm a jazz hands kind of monkey um character type of person but so i'm not for everybody um but but i want to try to create an emotion in everybody that, that gets them to understand that always being themselves, making good friends and time's limited can work for them as well. I think that's really important. Uh, and we were sharing before we started recording um, how people have contacted me and the guests that have come on, hopefully, because in a small way, we're breaking down this. And I can remember this. I can distinctly remember looking at a leadership team uh, in a contact centre I worked at and I remember thinking, I'm nothing like them. I, I, I look different. I've got a different background. I operate differently. I'm never going to be there unless I go through some weird Mr. Ben metamorphosis. You know? So, <laughs> yeah. um, but actually, it's only through age experience and being in the fight that you realize that was, if, if, you, if there was a time machine, I just would have gone back and, slapped me around the face and say you, you're wasting time worrying about something that isn't actually real because yeah. you just do you become good at what you do become competent and then it will happen and you can bring a totally different perspective and actually the suited guys that you were looking at i bet you within that group some of them were mental quirky whatever um but you built this perception and i think that's something that we you know, I, you make such a good point throughout this. All I, what I, talking of emotions, what I can feel is I want to talk to you more. I want to do something, do work, some sort of work collaboration. In the yep. future. I don't know what it is. I'm just kind of like going, I, I know that that would be good. And I think that is the kind of exactly what you're talking about, isn't it? This kind of just put it out there be, and try and build connections. Completely. No, nobody goes to work to do a bad job. Um, and we don't help people, but, but we don't help people do a good job too often. Yeah. And because of exactly like you said before, policies, scripts and, and stuff like that. But if we just remove all of those boundaries, then it just allows conversations like this. And like Chris said, when he lay there, um, make good friends because you never know uh, when you're going to need them. Um, if you make the most of every single conversation, interaction, you never know where they're going to lead either so so yes whilst this is being recorded man i would love to collaborate on something um, yeah I, I don't know what it is <laughs> yeah no 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 and we don't need to know what it is yet but no. just but, it, but it's out there now isn't it Do you know yeah 
So yeah, that would it would it would and it would be amazing as well. Like yeah, I would love I would love to do that. But and and I think if more people just 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 remove all of those those shackles that um, that constrain themselves from who they are. Like in fact, actually, just to jump back ten minutes, you said about ten minutes ago the uh, the, the call handlers. Um, the agents, when they are not themselves and they're constrained to scripts, that the days are really long and, and stuff, and that they, they feel that they, they feel that that way. That's exactly how Chris felt when he was trying to be somebody he thought his ex partner wanted him to be. It didn't make him happy, and it didn't make her happy. That's a that's a um, a personal example, but it's also a work related example that that you've that you've shown on that. And and I think if we just could have amazing conversations like this recognize that nobody goes to work to do a bad job and we just freed everybody from everything it would be bloody amazing yeah it'd be brilliant yeah. wouldn't it yes yeah of course it would but there's two i mean there's a lot of politics involved in in different organizations and the competing metrics and measures and dog eat dog and all of that stuff um and so yeah there's a lot of constraining things but i think there's we can remove some boundaries straight away you must see it as well. I think organisations reflect society or the other way around in that um, I've gone into places and there's the, the kind of them and us. So this team stops me doing this. They're this way. We're this way. We're cool. They're not. Same in, same in society. But then the moment you, the moment you can create the opportunity for people to work together, talk together, share experiences, share moments, all of a sudden, oh, I can't believe I thought this team was a nightmare or this team stopped me doing my job effectively. They're actually yeah. pretty decent because so-and-so likes this and we had a good chat about this. It's breaking down those sorts of um, those sorts of barriers, both at work and in, and in society, because, you know, to go back to your, um, your experience and, and that message, how powerful is that? Why would you want, why would you want to waste any time in things that aren't helping you or the or the people you love or others around others around you it's a very very powerful message no thank you thank yeah completely and paul i think it was paul mcgee you know, the sumo guy um shut up and move on guy business book 15 years ago and he's he's, he's on social media now but i think when i when i spoke to him um he's he's just written a, a book for for teenagers and in that book he he has a beach ball theory and so if I had a beach ball here in my hands and I would be able to see a, a, a white stripe, an orange stripe and a yellow stripe and, and you'd be able to see a green stripe, a blue stripe and a, and a pink stripe. Um, but ultimately, it's it's one beach ball. But too often we're just looking at our own individual stripes and not conscious that other people can see other things of the same situation. And I think we need to appreciate that, there's, that it's a full it's a full beach ball. And until we see the other side. Um, we can't make better friends and connections and relationships and stuff because we can't see what they can see. And on one of the courses that I um, that I mentioned earlier on, I ask people, um, who was the last friend you made and, and how did you make them? And every single instance, um, it's, it's either at a club or it's at the school where they drop the kids off or it's because we've got that, there's a, there's a connection and we've got to find if we are going to build stronger relationships and, and stuff, what that connection is in with the other people. Um, but until we talk to them, you never know. And until you can see what they can see, you never know. Um, so, it, I mean, it sounds straightforward, but for some reason, it's not. 
I'll, I'll share, you know, that question, who was the last friend you made, is, is reminding me of, um, so I've lived in this town now uh, just over a year and I came here for, came here for love, but I didn't know anyone. And I've always played football. So I've started looking around, trying to find teams and they were oversubscribed. And uh, there's a less than a kilometre away from where I am now. Great facilities. And I just went up, I just went up there one day, found someone to talk to and said, how do I go about setting up uh, something on a Sunday, hire the pitch, um, and I'm just going to go and start asking any anyone roughly my age that I start that I interact with during the week so dropping the girls off at their at their clubs I literally just started going around the car park yeah. best friends asking their friends husbands and it, it it just grew and now you know we're looking forward to playing this Sunday for the first time since lockdown the whatsapp groups buzzing the crazy thing is is that when we've had new players come in they all think I've known the other people for years and it's like the 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 only reason I'm sharing that is just to this again it's this mentality of like yes or just do it is I wanted to do something I couldn't join something that was set up so I just did it I just did it myself I didn't know how to do it it's not been it's not been perfect um but it's that kind of the same sort of thing act now you know do do it now yeah no completely Completely, and it's having that common purpose. The thing that we're all, you've all got that common, yeah, that common purpose or, or interest, and and you've been you've been able to to do that. You to make good friends, um, yeah. And I, I love that. I love that. But it's like when so when we before we hit record on on this today, I, I think either either you or I, I forget which one of us said it, that it it feels like we know each other before we've known each other, and. Yeah. And and I think there's so many different avenues and things to do. It's just about if you take an in, if you take an interest in other people, um, and there's that, there's a scale, isn't there? The self orientation scale from selfish to selfless. And if you do more things for other people, and and you actually show an interest and in, in all of that stuff, then then it's a it's a far happier place, far happier place. It is. Well, you've you've made me very happy in this uh, in this hour. We're coming to the end of it, unfortunately. Um, this this one. Let's let's uh, as soon as I hit stop record, get a date set for the for the next one and whatever okay. that collaboration is going to look like. But um, Lee from um, Get Knowledge, you you've made a real impact on me today. Thanks very much for um, sharing that that your experience. It's um, it's inspired me. It's in it's made me think, and hopefully it's done that to um, everyone that listens. But um, you're a great guy and thanks very much for, for sharing your experience. And um, I'm sure Chris is is thinking you're doing a great job um, sharing his three messages. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure he's saying I'm doing a good job. I think he would say, stop bloody talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but honestly, but, but thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, to, to chat with you, Martin. I thoroughly enjoyed this last hour. And, and yeah, I look forward to our collaboration soon. Yeah, thanks very much, mate. Take care. Cheers, bye-bye. Hi everybody, thanks very much for listening to episode 57, Um, still got some great episodes coming up, the diary gets full uh, quickly, 
But if you would like to come on, please just uh, let me know. Equally, just give us a call if there's um, anything you want to hear on here or send me a message. Um, always pleased to get your input. Anyway, hope you're all well. Thanks for listening uh, and see you soon.